Hello, personal productivity enthusiasts and community. Welcome to Anything But Idle, the productivity news podcast. I'm Ray Sidney Smith. And I'm Augusto Pinot. And we're your hosts for Anything But Idle. This is episode 15, and we're recording this on July 30th, 2020. Each week, we cover the productivity news headlines of the week, so you know what's going on in the current research, tools, services, products, and more in the world of personal productivity. And so with that, Let's get into our headlines. Augusto, what is our first headline of the week? The first headline of the week is pretty exciting. It's a phone backup application from Google. Uh, Google launched sometime last year uh, what they call the Google One, where they're trying to make simplify the invoicing for storage and these things. And now they release a new application from I- for iOS as well as Google uh, Android phones, where you can go and do the backup of those phones and the data of those phones really, really easy into your Google Drive, into your Google One. It works incredibly well. It was really exciting for me because I see a lot of pr- problems with people not backing up their data, their pictures, their stuff. Even that every technology company has tried to make it simple, people still don't back up. So having one more thing that we can recommend to people it's exciting for me. I love the new functionality being pulled in from Google Files. So if you're using the Google Files app where it helps you clean up the storage on your system, those functionalities will be pulled into the Google One app eventually or you know, now when the new app launches. So that is great. Next up, Google has won another contract by their partnership with Box. If you don't know what Box is, Box is a a Dropbox competitor. So it's an online storage and productivity collaboration platform. They have just secured uh, a contract with them, uh, beating out Microsoft's Azure and Amazon's AWS. They also got MLB, the Major League Baseball contract in March. So this is kind of their They've got a bit of uh, momentum underneath the Google Cloud CEO, Thomas Kurian. Uh, so good on them. And they're going to keep on making inroads to catch up with Microsoft as well as uh, Amazon in cloud services. So more and more of your productivity is going to be housed within Google Cloud. I'm interested to see whether or not that means more and better integration since they'll be running separate, but now they're running on the same technologies in the background, which means that there may be opportunities for those uh, technologies to talk to each other better that are running on Google Cloud. The next one, it's also uh, Google News, is Google Lens is starting to appear in some of the uh, keyboard integrations, so you can now use that directly in your keyboard. There is an article uh, where you will see how in the in the part you have where you have the one hand that you now have the Google Lens, so it's coming for people to the keyboards on Android devices. So Google Lens is Google's product to be able to uh, use the camera to be able to identify things in the world, whether that be a product, a barcode, QR code, or otherwise. And now the idea of being able to copy text that you see in the real world and use that in your phone is now possible with this update for Gboard. If you have a sheet of paper and you want to be able to lift the text off off the paper, now Lens will be able to give you that functionality. But you could also put Lens on a on a billboard and grab the URL from the billboard, and now it's on your keyboard clipboard in Gboard, and you can just go right directly to that URL. Very very powerful stuff that I think is going to really not only increase productivity, but, you know, 
in the in the business world now give more capabilities to businesses to connect digital displays and out there in the real world as well as you know any any type of physical display out there in the real world and connect that to the digital so very cool all right rounding out our google news this week google announced that they will extend the employees on working from home until at least the summer of 2021. They reserve the right to extend that deadline, but at least now this is going to be until the end of um, July that people or Google employees are going to be mostly working from home or working from home. Uh, It has been an interesting change. As you see, many, many, many major technology players extending those deadlines and moving forward. So that shows that sadly, we are not moved really forward regarding this pandemic and COVID-19 and everything else. Uh, This next news shifts gears to Nosby Teams has launched on Product Hunt. Augusto, do you want to give us a little bit of background here on Nosby Teams and what the big news is? Yes. So Nosby Teams is a different way to look at productivity that has come from the people who make Nosby personal or the Nosby people. Um, They came, and this is a project that they've been working for a while. We had the chance to interview uh, the CEO, Michael Selinski, on another podcast, uh, Productivity Cast. They built now an application where instead of focus into that component of personal productivity, they are compo- focusing on the component of organizational productivity. Everybody be, been dealing and looking at the same things and the same projects and been able to comment and reduce the friction of email and Slack and text and everything else. And they've been continuing to this. It's the first time they launched their product and product hunt. They were really, really excited. And it has a really cool video. They even find a you know, professional videographer who did the video. The video is on the link. So if you are looking for a different approach, Nosby Teams, it's one of those. And now over to Amazon and Big A. So the Big A app has rolled out a new iOS version that's coming soon. And what is coming in the new Amazon app? You know, the the Alexa app for iOS has always been clunky. Okay, that's the sad way to to refer it. But, But it also has improved consistently for a while. So they now went and really revamped the whole thing, made it a lot better. And even now, with the new improvements of iOS, you will be able to open the app, put it on the desk, and interact directly with it. That currently version, you can only, in order to do that, you need to click. But this is still pretty cool. You know, more and more, it's getting to play a big game. And I think it's now the third big competitor against the Apple Lady and the Big G. Amazon is putting personalized functions up for people who have been using the app. And so they're putting Amazon services kind of in this, you know, machine learning algorithm and showing Amazon Music or Audible or reminders and shopping lists where they think you will need it uh, when you open up the app. For those who are new to the app, they're going to get recommendations in terms of what the app can do what big a can actually do and that will help give them suggestions and tips for being more productive with the tool Uh, with that that takes us over to some news from microsoft and microsoft is putting out a new teams experience and so 
the Microsoft Teams meeting experience is going to be updated and several things are coming to the platform in that regard. And so you're going to see the ability to now take meetings in separate windows. So when you're in Microsoft Teams right now, you know, you open up a new meeting, you're stuck in that same window. Now you'll be able to separate the meetings so that you could dock, say, a meeting on the right side and still see the team's other team's window on the on the other side. Uh, so that's really great. Uh, the toolbar will now be on the top. And uh, and then you'll, you're also going to get a new gallery view and the together view, which is where Microsoft takes all of the videos and kind of lays them into what looks like theater style seating. And so that everybody is kind of in the same quote unquote virtual room together. That's kind of cool. There are some other uh, minor changes to the new meeting experience. And so uh, this will come to, at the present moment, Windows and Mac users. This won't be scaled out for everyone yet. So you should start seeing this in the targeted users category. And uh, this is not available in the browser either or Linux. Uh, so Windows and Mac, targeted users, and Presumably after that, they'll roll it out to everyone else. But the new meeting experience is coming. Uh, there is an update for it once you are identified as a user to get the rollout. And, you know, you do the update and then it will go ahead and uh, put you into the new meeting experience. Okay. Microsoft's made some updates to Microsoft Edge. What are they doing? This is quite interesting for me. And we were discussing this outside of the show a couple of weeks ago. Microsoft went and created Edge based on Chromium, so based on the same principles that Google Chrome has. And this article you know, is going to bring the do not disturb. It's going to bring some improvements into the dark modes. And it's trying to improve the way you get notifications. That is the main thing of the article, is how you get the notifications to be less prominent than than they are on other systems. And they're claiming that to be a big a big solution. And I don't know about that. I know it is important to manage your notifications. And I also know there is a lot of people who don't know how to manage them. But notifications play an important role. I think that's one of the things that iOS allows you to do with notifications that is really powerful, where you can define which ones you don't care and you don't need to have them, which ones you want a minimum interruption versus one, the ones that you want to interrupt you. And I think giving more options is better than deciding what the options should be. So it will be interesting to see what Edge is going to actually bring and how that's going to work in the real implementation. Continuing on with Microsoft news, Microsoft took the opportunity of being in this new remote work environment to do some analysis on their workflows. And so over the past few months, they have been tracking several teams working and they've identified that in a new published report on Harvard Business Review. So I just felt like it was a good look at this. And they looked at, you know, their 90,000 employees across the system for certain types of metrics against the smaller group that they were looking at in terms of the remote work environment. Yeah. So some some interesting insights uh, that came out of this. Any Anything that stuck out for you, Augusto? There was one thing that was interesting to me where they talk about the employees who well protected their weekend. That was, I think, the terminology they use and how they have now increased that work over the weekend. And unlike data, I know data can, the beauty with data is can be presented in many ways. And this is one of those things that I've been arguing lately when people come, well, I'm now working more over the weekends. Yes, 
but you are also are having during the week time that you didn't have it before. So what I would love to see on this question is not are you working more on the weekend, but overall how much that has balanced. Because yes, you may have tripled the work or the communication over the weekend, but also how much things now you can do on the other side of that equation during the week that you may not be able to do during the week. How many lunches now are you having you know, with a family or, or dinners with a family or, or those kind of things. So I think those kind of things on, on any study like this one or, or, or anybody else, it's important to look at the data, but understand how the data is coming. And I will love to get more information on those things because I don't see, as I saw at the beginning of the pandemic, people complaining about that, those complainings are coming down because I think people is also starting to look the other side of that equation. That yes, I may be sending more emails on Saturday morning, but I'm also being able to do these other things Monday through Friday, and I'm okay with that. And so to round out Microsoft news this week. CNBC, it's saying that there is a 13% of revenue growth despite of coronavirus. And as I said earlier today, I am not, I'm publicly not a big fan of a big fan of Microsoft, but I've been impressed with the work they have done uh, on the pandemic. They have really got into understanding we are, you know, one of the major tools that people will use. What can we do to use this opportunity to make them better? And as teams and, and other pieces, and, I, and these are big monster software is difficult to improve and change, but they have been really trying to get the people to use the tools and to integrate the tools and to make it better. It may have been a thing of the fate that they did. Everything was already planned six months ahead and everything happened in these 90 days. But the reality is the impression of these 90 days is Microsoft has been really on top of the game on how can that their products can be used for better in the current conditions. Next up is a an article from Wired. It's actually from February, but it came up in, I think, my feed recently, and I thought it was worth sharing with you all. In essence, it is talking about how to use some productivity apps, productivity software to, what it says, fix your life. And I just thought it was interesting to look at the list of things that allowed you to be able to use productivity apps in ways in which you wouldn't traditionally think about it and how they could be helpful. And so some examples are hacking Google Sheets in order to create a playlist. And one individual is using a code editor for programmers, Microsoft Visual Studio Code in this case, to be his note-taking application of choice, which is great for him. And a person is using a dating app to find employment to find a job <laughs> um, just really interesting ways and i just think it you know reading the article hopefully will give you a sense of maybe how to look at your productivity tools that you're using uh, really all of your software and uh, that you're using and thinking of different ways in which they may be able to help you outside of their stated use and i think that's just a really interesting perspective all right, next up, there is some cybersecurity news coming out of the Drizzly app. What's going on there? Well, Drizzly app was recently hacked. So if you put your credit card directly on the app, your credit card may have been compromised. 
But I bring this news for a couple of reasons. Two weeks past, we talk about, we bring a product, a service that allows you to create that temporary credit card, same as the Apple Pay do, same as Google Pay do. So I got the notification from them saying, hey, we were compromised. And when I look into that, I say, oh, I have only used Apple Pay with them that create a new number every time. So I wasn't. So and I, I wanted to bring this because I wanted to, to make the importance of that news when we mentioned that product and using systems that will protect your actual credit card number that cannot change in a dynamic way. So if you were affected by this, sorry, but it's time to call the bank and monitor your credit card and look into the future how you can protect yourself with these really security ways to continue using your card in the online world. Continuing on, and just as a, a forcing function of the pandemic, uh, CES, the Consumer Electronics Show 2021, has decided to shift to a fully virtual experience. I, I said that correctly, 2021. CES 2021 will be a fully virtual ex- experience. So even things into next year are now going virtual preemptively uh, because we are where we are with regard to the pandemic. So just be mindful of that. It is interesting as a person who for many years went to CES and, and was part of CES, it's hard to imagine CES going virtual and how that's going to work. That said, I think it's a really, really fascinating challenge for for the people of CES. CES, if you are not familiar with the Consumer Electronics Show, basically takes over the city of Las Vegas and any space that can allocate people, it's taken for something uh, from the convention center, from the open spaces, from the hotels. People rent hotel rooms so they make them or turn them into conference rooms. It is it is really crazy, and this really change and how this year, next year, CES is going to have and what that's going to happen in the world of consumer electronic and dealings. You know, there is a lot of international consumer electronic people who travel from China and Hong Kong and and Asia in general and Europe and come. And this is a big, big meeting. So it's going to be interesting what's happening in 2021 with all this. And now for a word from our sponsor this week, W3C Web Services. Did you know half of small businesses don't have websites and half don't make it past one year in business? Are these stats correlated? We're not sure, but we think you should have a website. W3C Web Services provides affordable managed WordPress website hosting, along with VPS, domain name registration, and other small business-focused services. For listeners of this podcast, you can book a free 30-minute digital marketing strategy session when you purchase a new hosting plan, $150 value. Once you purchase your new hosting plan, forward the receipt to support at w3cinc.com with the podcast title in the subject line of the email message, and we'll get you scheduled for your digital marketing strategy session. Head over to anythingbutidle.com slash web hosting and get started with your small business website today. And now, back to your show. Before the break, we were discussing headlines, and so let's do a rapid-fire of the next set of headlines, Augusto. Siemens recent make an announcement that 
all of us had known to be true, but it's awesome to hear it from a company. They're going to adopt a new model where people can average two or three days a week, you know, working from anywhere. And the CEO came basically and said, well, we're looking into a model, you know, where we trust our employees and we empower them to work themselves to achieve the best possible results. Hopefully, this is the first steps into publicly changing those two things trust to the employees and let them or empower them to do their best work. It was a really um, exciting thing for me to read this massive companies starting to look into what a small business has known for years. You know, the number of hours spent butt in chair is not the right metric for productivity. Outcomes are the right metric. And it's really, as you said, great to see a, a major CEO make that stance apparent. Next up, Target and Walmart have both just decided to cancel Black Friday, which is the shopping holiday after Thanksgiving Day here in the United States. The changes that will that will be downstream from that are going to be really interesting. So tax refund will be, for some people, a lot bigger than some expected because the IRS is being behind on the payments. And by law, if they are behind on your tax refund, they need to pay you interest. So some people will be happily surprised to get more than one refund, the refund, and then the interest payment for that. So, hey, some good news in in the midst of every other news that we're looking right now. Next up, Spotify has said that listener habits are basically coming back to their normative levels before the pandemic. So Spotify has uh, noted that they have roughly 300 million users around the around the globe, and they have noted that their listening numbers are basically back to where they were before, and their revenue has increased, and they have started to go out there and make more inroads into the podcast world. They've brought the Michelle Obama podcast on board, and so they're really doing what they can to uh, to stabilize their own business. But at the same time, just noting the fact that we're all kind of just getting used to this new normal is probably a good sign. Um, You know, we shouldn't let our guard down regarding, you know, fighting the virus, but that people are not maybe as anxious and they're capable of reaching out and doing more uh, entertainment in the way in which they used to uh, is probably a good sign for mental health and for everyone. The next article comes from Forbes, Productivity Tracking, the Do's and Don'ts from Successful Implementation. And again, it's a good article to read, It's, but not necessarily bringing any new, but it's important to discover which are, where are the red flags that you have and that you need to identify for you. Same thing as plan, see what are the metrics you need and you need to, they are irrelevant when you measure your own um uh, productivity and i love when they say stop trying to micromanage everything and invite and invade personal privacy that is really really important as well as try to be supportive for your team and not to create more stress yeah i think the the message is that if people feel like they're being watched they're going to have reduced productivity all right next up is uh news out of canada at carleton university they uh, a pair of students have created a an application called Hourglass. Uh, it basically does tracks screen usage and gives prompts in terms of how people can do more 
meaningful work on their computers. And so this is a, a browser extension. Uh, you can get access to it by by going to the website on, on in the link in the show notes, and you can just download it and install it. And in essence, it gives you a little dashboard display of what uh, websites you were on and how much you spent on those websites, shows trends, and uh, it's a useful little app. So it's it's kind of like Rescue Time Lite. Okay, next up, intuitive scheduling. This was an interesting article. I don't know if I necessarily agree 100% of, of the concept, but I think there were a couple of things that, you know, they are trying to get some of uh, famous Marie Kondo principles to to scheduling and what brings you joy. Well, bring me joy is not having meetings on my schedule. <laughs> that hasn't happened yet. Okay. Uh, but but on the other side, it brings another two elements for me that were that I've been advising to my clients for a year. And is where do you create breaks? Where do you create those mindful breaks? And and how you are going to look at the calendar to now that the meetings are, have changed, how can you bring yourself those breaks that you need well to catch up well to process the notes well to rest and and decompress that you can be on the top of the game on the next meeting so it was an interesting reading i don't know if i'm able to bring those marie kondo you know whatever spark me joe joy into into my calendar but again the other two points two points i think were really valid points I appreciate the concept, which is it just brings mindfulness to your calendar and and people who are more aware of their inner world and wanting to use that as use their intuition for that. That's fine. But, you know, there are things like the Now Habit by Dr. Neil Fiore uh, that helps you create the unschedule that really does this stuff in a, in a much more thoughtful research based perspective. So I would definitely encourage listeners to check out the unschedule and the now habit and look at those things that actually we know work for you. She's she's lightly touching on here in some ways, uh, but really isn't doing it in the most thoughtful manner. So I I think great if you want to try it and it works for you. Uh, but I would I would probably look at the unscheduled material and uh, and check that out. I'll put, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Okay, next up Apple is going to be making their first flagship phone in India. They're going to be making the iPhone 11 and assembling it in Chennai. And that is huge news. I mean, they've been predominantly using, you know, Foxconn to produce these phones in in uh, China. And now they are going to be bringing uh, India on board uh, to be producing um, their phones. And so we'll see perhaps more and more phones being made in India and uh, and how that will uh, affect supply chain, uh, delivery times, all of those things for Apple to be able to uh, reduce costs, predominantly, you know, their the import duties that they're paying and uh, and of course, um, speed, speed to uh, to market. Next up, Apple releases Safari technology preview 111. What did they fix? It seems like we are releasing one of these every week. We should remember that iOS 14 is coming and, and the big sort that is a big change. We're changing the chips on the back end. So we are going to see a little bit more of this once. And then after that, they're going to, to disappear, but we're going back. So the, this one includes bug fixes and performance improvements from web impactor in inspector, scrolling, rendering, 
the web API and text manipulation. So it is, I install them, I play with them, and it is a, it is solid. I, I like it. So again, required to have the little geek. Bowdoin College is giving students iPad Pros, Magic Keyboards, and iPad Pencils to start online classes in the fall. And this is really a unique change from, say, moving to, to laptops that they would be giving out, like a MacBook Air, to now the iPad Pro model with the Magic Keyboard and, and Apple Pencil. And really, you know, it's for a number of different things, the better camera, better processing power, uh, and it gives them multimodal use, right? It can be a laptop, it can be a tablet, and now it's going to give them also the ability to have more streamlined app experience across their devices. And so the students are all getting them and, uh, and starting, you know, uh, with that. And of course, Apple has all of their assistive features built into their iPad OS. And so they're going to get the benefit of the vision, vision, hearing, mobility, and other learning needs, uh, assistive features built in into it. So very cool to see uh, a, a college, you know, taking a, a good stance here. Uh, I have a friend who's a professor there at, at Bowdoin, and, uh, and I'm, I'm excited to see the experience kind of behind the scenes of students using the iPad Pro in an education environment. Well, and I think there was something that the administrator quote, was quote on the article saying that with all this pandemic and the students don't know if they're going to be able to come or not come, you know, to the day-to-day experience life, this will also give them LTE. So students who may have or may not have a great internet connection will be able to keep all this connection that the MacBooks don't have it. So giving that also means that students are going to get or being able to get a lot more out of the device and the experience. So I think it's a great step. I think the product is great for that. And the camera, without a doubt, is much better than the MacBook Air. Next up is a feature that came into iOS 11, disappeared on iOS 13, and it is the ability to touch your screen two or three times and configure what's going to do. So now you will be able to do again on the touch, double tap and triple tap, and get your phone to do stuff when iOS 14 gets released in October. So you will be able to configure double tap to open control center, for example, but triple tap to open notification center. So right now you can activate on current iOS 13 only to do the accessibility, but do was removed to be able to access other things. So that is for people who use those advanced features on iOS, the iPads on their phone, it is an exciting, exciting news. The last news we have is Parallels. Parallels is working into simplify the, the experience with Parallels 6 and Windows and Mac. They, Parallels has been a great device or a great component for, for many years and changed companies a couple of times, but it's giving now access to the people to being able to do remote support or remote quick support with a new version. So you can now send a link to somebody and share their screen and all that without using Zoom in an intuitive way, in a certain way, more importantly, allow you to work with their mouse and their keyboard, assuming they give you or they approve you to do that, they authorize you to do that, that is allowing people to work much better, regardless if you are on an iPad, on a Windows, on a Mac. And with that, those are our headlines for this week. And that takes us to our Science of Productivity segment with Matt Plummer of Zarvana. Matt, take it away. 
The Science of Productivity segment brings you scientific insights you can trust into how to accomplish your goals faster. In this week's segment, I want to share new research on whether agile methods increase or decrease team innovation. Agile methodologies emerged in the 1970s with the goal of facilitating more adaptive and iterative ways of developing software. After getting its more formal roots in around 2000-2001 when a group of developers met in Utah to talk through you know, some of these l- more lightweight project management approaches, Agile has become the go-to project management approach, definitely in software development and increasingly in other fields. And that's because it's thought to improve the agility of teams, enabling them both to be more innovative and to waste less time on work that ultimately becomes irrelevant. As Jeff Sutherland, you know, one of the co-creators of Agile said, quote, innovation is what Agile is all about. Companies that create an environment in which Agile flourishes find that teams can churn out innovations faster, end quote. However, emerging research from Harvard Business School professors Sarub Ghosh and Andy Wu suggests that Agile has a mixed effect on innovation. Goosh and Wu embedded an experiment within a hackathon, software development competition, at Google. And what they found was that the teams using Agile scored higher on one dimension of innovation, that is value, but lower on the other dimension of innovation, novelty. Essentially, teams using Agile created more valuable, but less novel products. Specifically, two Agile practices drive this increase in value and decrease in novelty. The first is taking time to define and update team goals, that coordination activity, and secondly, a high frequency of meetings. Novelty, you see, comes from allowing individuals to think differently from each other and then to bring their creative ideas back to the team. But frequent coordination-focused meetings prevent this from happening. Teams may need to rotate between periods of high-frequency coordination meetings and lower-frequency meetings to produce more innovative ideas. Thank you, Matt. That was Matt Plummer from Zarvana. Now let's get into our new tools of the week segment. Augusto and I come across many personal development, time, task, project management, and productivity collaboration tools and services each week. Some we use, some stand out from the pack. And so in our segment, new tools of the week, we each bring you a tool we think you might like. This week, I'm bringing MimeStream. MimeStream is a Gmail interface application. In essence, what it does is on the Mac OS, you have to have Catalina or or later, and it creates an application for your Gmail or G Suite account. And it just gives this wonderful interface for you to use Gmail. It puts all the features that you want Gmail to have in an application environment, and they are in a beta stage, so it's currently free. They will eventually charge for the application. They just give you this beautifully designed Gmail client on the Mac OS, and you can use dark mode. You can you know, structure the interface the way that you like it, and it's just optimized to be fast and a familiar experience on the Mac OS by giving you kind of a flavor of, the, of mail you know, it's got it's got mail-oriented buttons and so on and so forth. Uh, you can have multiple accounts. You can manage your labels in Gmail. Many people kind of don't quite grok the folder structure when they pull Gmail into another client. This one 
is showing labels natively so that you can really manage labels properly. And it gives you all of your inboxes. You know, Gmail gives you Gmail categories, promotions, updates, forums, and so on and so forth. Well, it's putting those directly in the mailbox environment so that you can go ahead and really work well in a Gmail environment multiple signatures, really good stuff built into the application. I'm looking forward to seeing how they develop and how people use it. Uh, so far, I've been able to go to request access, type in my email address, and immediately be able to download it. So go ahead and give it a try if, you, if you'd like to during the beta for free. Augusto, what's your tool of the week? An application called Rome or Rome Research that allows you to create a network of your notes. Uh, so you can go and create a note and said, okay, well, for example, you can go and say, well, I'm doing this research about iPad Magic Keyboard, and then now create that as an hyperlink for another note that has all the what I have found or all the links I have about the Apple Magic Keyboard. So it is a really interesting. It's a paid service. It's around fifteen dollars per month. It was it really caught my attention because, especially for research for it may allow you to now create a whole network of where those things are instead of get them lost. Sometimes in a similar way that tax can do, and we have been doing it with tax, it will allow you to sort and organize your information. I know some people do this or similar to this uh, in Evernote with the tax and, and other pieces of software. But again, it was a really different approach um, and I, it really got my attention how simple it seems to and how powerful it seems to do all this integration. And with that, let's get into our featured story of the week, Augusto. So this week, Google has been negotiating behind the scenes. It's being reported with Samsung over something really major, which is what? What are they doing? They are trying to push Google Assistant over Brixby for Samsung. And I think it's going to be a big deal. I, I am not a Samsung user. I'm not an Android user for that matter. I'm a, I live on iOS. But, but I think one of the things that I have always liked about iOS is the fact that it doesn't matter which device I grab, I found exactly the same thing. It's the iPad is the phone. And I think it's really, really important that Google accomplish this and then can provide for Android users the same universal experience. Doesn't matter if you grab a Pixel or you grab a Samsung and you grab something else. And that will additionally give them a better experience to every user across the board. So I think it's a really, really exciting uh, news that Google is trying to bring uniformity on this. Yeah, this is a really interesting uh, development. I think that it's going to be interesting to see whether or not Samsung is open to the idea. Samsung has their own app store and their own digital assistant, which is Bixby. And um, I'm actually not sure how you trigger that. So whether we should even be using that in the podcast. Uh, so I apologize to anybody if that triggers your <laughs> your assistant. Uh, but Samsung has their own assistant. Uh, and so the goal here is to figure out whether or not the Google parts, the Android parts that Google really wants to bring, like the Play Store, get more billing on those devices. I know that I have the Pixel line of devices because it gives me a more pure Android experience and it gives me the Google parts that I really want. And Samsung does not have that. You know, there's some bloatware there. Some of it's good, some of it people like, but 
I don't, and I don't want it. I just want the Google parts. And so I'm, I'm very curious because the Samsung hardware is really good. Uh, they have, you know, the screens are unparalleled and we really, I, I, I like the Dex platform and the ability to, to turn your Samsung device into a, into a desktop environment. Uh, the, the tabs, you know, are, are fantastic, uh, which kind of brings us to uh, a, a bit of, a, of news of kind of in our announcements today, uh, which is that Samsung is hosting a, an event uh, next week. By the time you hear it, it will be this week, <laughs> uh, where they'll be announcing uh, five new de- devices. And uh, the event is called Unpacked. And uh, Augusto and I will be doing a special episode to cover that event. So stay tuned for the Samsung Unpacked event, where Samsung is going to be releasing a whole bunch of very interesting things. Was there anything about the Samsung Unpacked event you wanted to note, Augusto, before we close out? No, I'm still going to stay on iOS. I'm going to report the event, and you are not yet trying to convince me to get an Android device. <laughs> <laughs> that that Tab S7 is pretty beautiful in the rumors. Uh, so we'll see. Okay, we have come to the close of our episode, but we have a few items that we want you to know about. If we missed a story and you want to let us know about it to put in the show notes, uh, go ahead and head over to anythingbutidle.com. You can let us know on the contact page. If you want, you can also tweet or DM us at anythingbutidle on Twitter. Follow us on social media by finding the links on anythingbutidle.com. And if you can, please leave a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, or if your favorite podcast app does allow giving feedback, please do that. That helps us grow our personal productivity listening community here at Anything But Idle. And finally, thanks for joining us for Anything But Idle, the productivity news podcast. Until next time, here's to your productive life. Take care, everybody.